Welcome to the Refresh Podcast, a refresh look at life's spiritual applications. I am one of your hosts, DJ Mr. Adams, Jonas Adams. You can call me either one of those two. It'd be just fine. And I'm here with Anthony Sanders and Yo. Jeff Sherall. How you doing? All right. All right. How you doing, brother? Doing all right, man. How's everybody been since the last time we talked? Been doing good, man. Repandemicked. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's true. Goodness gracious. That's the best way for me to say it. Ain't that the truth? Well, definitely, definitely. But you know what? Just tell me something interesting that happened, Anthony, since the last time we talked. Uh, something interesting. I uh, was able to take a uh, somewhat quarantined vacation with okay. my family. Uh, got a little son, went to a safe spot. I want to emphasize that. We. <laughs> outside away from people right but stayed uh safe it was cool got to hang out with the family they haven't been able to do that in a little bit so that was good that's probably the most interesting thing that happened uh and every t- ever since the last time we recorded vacations are very necessary especially as stressful as days have been not to say for either one of us in particular just you know you turn on the news and instantly get depressed <laughs> so it's right. good to unwind a little bit especially right before school starts we're getting ready to take yes, a trip to nice little secluded trip and bounce right back and uh get the school year started yep yeah it was, that was the thing wife wanted to just do something real quick end of the summer right before the school year started we haven't been able to take we usually take a family vacay on the on the annual right uh, but last year for obvious reasons things were a little jacked up so it was good to do that again Gotcha. Jeff, what's up with you, man? How you doing? Man, nothing. I'm chilling, man. It's been good. Chilling. Um, really just working really hard. Uh, I don't have anything interesting to report on. Like I said, just re-pandemic. I'm out here on the West Coast, man. And I'm in the heart of the state in a place where people support red issues. I'll say it like that because I don't want to offend anybody's politics. But California, they really? Support red. In the middle of California. In the middle of California. You know, that's the misconception. So maybe that's the interesting thing. The misconception about California is that it's a completely liberal state. It turns mm. blue pretty quick on the uh, political map. But the truth of the matter is, is everything that's away from San Francisco, Los Angeles and San Diego pretty much is red. It's just those places have such high populations that they flip the state blue pretty quickly. Yeah, that kind um, of carries so, the rest of the state. Yeah. Gotcha. And, you know, and so the big issues right now out here are just re- re- surrounding that um, high influx of people getting reinfected or getting infected because they're not vaccinated, which I think is kind of a little bit asinine and out of my, out, it's out of this world. I just really don't understand it. Anyway, that's my opinion. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, trying to i had to put the church back on quarantine uh rules so we're not meeting in person so that's like the biggest thing that happened so that's why i said i feel like i've been re-pandemic you know so that's what's going on in the west coast i can dig it i can dig it i mean that's similar to uh, here in virginia um this northern part of virginia right outside of dc in the um alexandria arlington area and then uh maybe some parts of richmond too, kind of carry the state in votes and if it wasn't for these parts this would be a really red state Mm. as you guys can imagine i mean historically 
we know what Virginia is historically known for. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) like what is one of the the main ports, one of the first ports, you know, for slavery intake? Definitely one of the main ones. Yeah, definitely. So you got that going for it. (laughs) (laughs) But this pocket where we are pretty much carries the state blue. Yeah. So similar, very similar. And Anthony's in a red state, very red state. In fact, it typically goes red right when the election starts, too. Uh, before, the poll, before the polls even close. Before the polls even close. Sheesh. They, they, they call it immediately. They <laughs> it. <laughs> like, look, y'all, we ain't even going to waste y'all time counting all these votes. Y'all know what time it is over here. Y'all know what it is. Tomorrow's uh, but, election day, and we want to report that Indiana is already <laughs> not voting for. Sheesh. <laughs> it is what it is, man. All right, y'all, what's our topic today? Man, we're going to get into a conversation that I think all of us, well, I know all of us have some um, insight on, and we're going to talk about fathers. Um, What's really important um, in this day and age is really helping people understand, connect with, get to this concept that's not necessarily uh, what it used to be in terms of its polarization, but I think there's still some issues um, surrounding, you know, what authentic fatherhood looks like. Um, but I want to have a kind of a kind of an organic conversation surrounding it. So talking about our fathers, um, talking about us being fathers or we're fathers. I want to talk about other fathers. There's a, a key characters of other fathers that we may have witnessed, whether it's on television in the media or um, whether it was people in our communities and neighborhoods or even at our churches. And then finally, obviously, I love to tie in the spiritual application of our Heavenly Father and how that all plays into um, this whole narrative. Um, but I really just want to you know, have a good conversation with you guys about um, fatherhood, um, what it looks like for you, what it's looked like for you, uh, where some of your greatest influences came from and how God plays into that. Um, so, you know, we just want to roll like that. Take it away, Anthony. Oh, man, that's uh, I just uh, threw that to you because I didn't want to start. That's cool. I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll catch it, I guess. Um, <laughs> Pressure. You know, yeah. So fa- fatherhood is, you know, obviously, like Jeff said, a huge part of all of our lives. It's, um, you know, second to um, marriage is the most important earthly thing that I have to do. Um, and it's also the most challenging, again, second to marriage thing that I have to do. Uh, you know, I've got, I've got three kids. I've got two girls and a boy. Um, there, there's a preteen, Lord help me. There's a, a nine-year-old and a, a seven-year-old. My son is seven. Um, and it's, probably the most interesting thing about being a father is just how different each of them are. Um, You know, you go through certain experiences in life and it's like, well, if I see that again, I'm prepared for it. (laughs) Fatherhood ain't it. Fatherhood is not one of those things. What we, what I thought I knew, uh, because it's, um, you know, the three and a half years between my oldest and my second. So what I thought I had learned with, with my first one, none of it applied to my second one. The basics, changing the diaper, making sure they go to sleep, making sure they eat, sure. But managing the personalities, even when they were babies, man, was completely different. Um, My oldest child cried for one thing, my second child cried for a different thing. Then when that third one came in, cried for a completely different reason. Mm. All, you know, 
you think it was food and it wasn't because it needed attention. You thought it was because they were wet. They weren't because they needed to eat. It was just really, really interesting just trying to navigate that uh, aspect. And again, very, very challenging to do. Um, so it's yeah, like I mean, you're having communications with the children right now. <laughs> yep, indeed. I see you in the middle of being a father while you're talking about being a father. Indeed, it's a it's one of the jobs that's never. It's, I mean, it's a job, right? But it's it's a never ending job. You know, I, you could clock out of work, but you can't clock out of fatherhood. Um, and that's a key point right there, man. <laughs> yeah, um, because I I I remember growing up. I grew up in. Um, you know, I'm I'm from the '80s. We're all from the '80s. We grew up in the '80s, um, and I think I feel like I grew up or we grew up at a time when the two parent household was slowly but surely becoming extinct, um, at least from the standpoint of the nuclear family as it is to as it relates to two parents being in the household that were actually married. Um, and so, um, as I've watched that. I, I have watched the extinction change this process of what the nuclear family looks like from a fatherhood standpoint. A lot of fathers are um, clock in, clock out dads um, for any various amount of reasons. I won't blame the brothers for being a clock in, clock out dad because sometimes they're in circumstances and situations that they can't help but be a clock in, clock out dad, depending on you know their partner or their ex-spouse or whoever that they have children with. So um, I think that's a key characteristic um, of it. We don't clock out, at least I don't clock out because we can't, I can't, um, I feel, you know, spiritually obligated, um, emotionally obligated. And I think Yarnell would probably kill me. Uh, so there's that. Um, but yeah, there's the whole piece of being um, parents or dads on a full-time basis. Absolutely. I mean, uh it seems like for us three clocking out is not even an option. Um, it's just about, like you said, attention and trying to figure out what your kids need at that particular moment. Sometimes they need attention. Sometimes they don't need attention. Sometimes they want to be left alone. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, with me also with three kids, um, two boys and a girl, um, the girl being the youngest, and she's also about to be two years old. So mm -hmm. I'm still, learning well you're always learning your kids but I'm really still learning her and mm -hmm. what I have definitely noticed immediately is that all my kids crave my attention but no no none of my children have craved the attention that my daughter does mm. like whenever I'm in the room I'll look up like how did you just get in my lap <laughs> like if I'm sitting on the couch or if I'm sitting in a chair like somehow like a ninja yeah <laughs> Next thing you know, she is sitting in my lap and I'm yeah. wondering how she even got to like, she just kind of nestles herself in and boop, <laughs> and she's right there. Yeah. And yeah. if I'm distracted or something like that, it's like I'll blink and I'm like, where did you even come from? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm a girl dad um, through and through, kind of like Kobe said, I got two daughters um, and they have a wide age difference. Um, uh, one of the distinctive factors in my household was that I married my wife who uh, came to our marriage uh, with my oldest daughter. Um, and so I'm not her biological father. I'm, I'm also her, I wouldn't call myself a stepdad. Um, I don't know if I want to go into the whole 
concept of what a bonus dad is, but I've been in, in, in my oldest daughter's life for, um, since she was about two and a half years old, but it, it's, it's, it's very critical and, you know, just the differences and the distinctions between both of my girls, um, and, you know, what Jasmine needs versus what Janelle needs, um, is really critical. And so, um, Janelle is very much so a daddy's girl where Jasmine kind of splits her time between both of us. Um, and so that has put a really weird dynamic on relationship um, in terms of parenting um, from a father standpoint, fatherhood standpoint, because there are times when I don't exactly know what Jasmine needs versus Janelle pretty much communicates it with her eyes, with her behaviors. And if she doesn't do it with her eyes and behaviors, she will just flat out tell you. Um, so mm -hmm. one, one keeps me guessing. The other one keeps me on my toes from the standpoint of, I don't know when it's coming, but I know it's coming. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. I'm also, uh, I've been in my oldest son's life since he was one. You know, we made it official as far as becoming a couple when he turned two and he will be 15 at the end of this month. So I have him be turning 15 August 30th. My daughter will be two August 20th. Mm. Mm. And then my middle child, Jace, his birthday is five days after mine. <laughs> so the only one that has a month to themselves is my wife. <laughs> so that's what's going on in my house. You know, me and my, my um, son, Jace, we share the same Zodiac sign. And as much as I don't really... I'm not the type to check horoscopes every day, but I do think, you know, different personality traits go with each, go with each sign. And he's right in line with everything I, that it makes me, me, it makes mm -hmm. me who I am. Like he is a spinning image with the energy, his sense of humor, everything. And then my oldest is a whole nother thing. You know, my oldest, he's just, he's uh, very caring of uh, just just very in tune with you know his emotions and what's not knows um just um he's just a teenager though mm -hmm. and you already like you said uh pray for you with mm -hmm. you know your preteen on the way mm -hmm. well pray for me because <laughs> my teenager is about to start high school yeah. this year i'm in the same boat Jack and he's coming yeah. into where he actually cares how he looks mm -hmm. and you know, and smells. Smell, smelling himself. And yeah. Smells. <laughs> yeah. You know, trying to figure out what he wants to do with his hair. And I don't know if you guys have been paying attention with young black men, but it's some crazy stuff going on over here right now. Bruh. I know my generation cannot talk. We had every nope. type of flat top, high top fade and all, but they doing something completely Gumbies. different. <laughs> they doing something different where <laughs> it's okay. Like they just don't even want it to look like it's combed. Yeah. Int intentionally. Exactly, because it'll be freshly lined up, completely lined up and together. But then up top, it just looks like something crazy. <laughs> yeah. And but it, but if you walk down the street, you'll see eighteen kids look just like that. Wow! So you know it; it's not just by happenstance. Right, right. This is so like something they see. I'm trying to let him figure that out and figure out what he wants to do. And then, of course, I got the baby girl. <laughs> Who I'm trying to figure out, and she's two. She can't even talk, so it's even harder. So what, yeah. what's interesting? Fatherhood, fatherhood, fatherhood. With fatherhood, is um, just kind of realizing that with each of them, they're brand they're brand new to the world, and I'm brand new to them. 
and they're brand new to me. What do I mean by that? I've never had a preteen before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So everything, and it's, I, I feel, I feel for her because <laughs> I've never had a preteen before. So I can only take this uh, kind of leads into um, Jeff's ask about the, our influences. I try to take from what I've seen um, with my my own father and paternal influences and apply that. And man, sometimes, sometimes, and by sometimes, I mean, rarely it works. And, and, and other times it's just like, okay, that didn't work. So now I got to figure out, well, how is this going to work for her? Or maybe it is supposed to work, but it, it has to be adapted to her as an individual, her personality. Um, Cause she is, uh, I've, I don't brag much, but my kids are smart and and uh, more smart than I actually would want them to be. <laughs> Please elaborate. Please explain. <laughs> they just so my my oldest, for example, she's a she's a avid reader. Um, it's actually interesting. My mother prayed that she would be a, a reader like like my mother is. My mom consumes books in like a week. She'll read a nine hundred page novel in like a week week and a half. And so sit, my oldest, she will do the same thing. She'll just sit and consume a book and then be like, well, I'm done with the book. Well, how did you, what do you mean you're done with the like, book? What do you mean? And it's some gave, question like, yeah, on page 486, this is what she, happened. Brother, she gave, she has read the entire, I don't even know how many books it is in the Harry Potter series. I think it's like six or seven books. Yeah. She's read them all three times <laughs> already. And yeah. Those are, those it might be time to books. Is there a kids Jeopardy? <laughs> it might be time. I'm just actually, I'm just throwing, I'm throwing that out. I'm just throwing it out there. She's she just qualified. Cons- she just too. consumes the information too and absorbs it very mm-hmm. well. Uh, she's reading like I'm not kidding. Uh, she's reading on a what is it a, a sophomore in high school I think level, Whew. which is you know, challenging on a whole lot of different levels, but that means she's reading a whole lot of information and some of it she'll understand and some of it she won't, but then trying to apply like what she's read in fiction and nonfiction um, books and then trying to apply that to it. So it's like that aspect. (laughs) And so she'll read a, a, she'll read a sentence, read a word, and then try to use it in a Mm. conversation with me. And then try to also have an adult conversation because I've never been oh, one. Oh, okay. Now I see what you mean. You see where I'm going? Because I've never yep. been one to uh, talk down to my kids in the sense that um, I, I've always spoken clearly with them and just try to explain mm-hmm. things to them because I, I am a person who likes to have things explained to and I'm a, uh, in order for me to understand something and to connect with something, I have to, I, I need that explanation sometimes. So I try to give that. Yeah. Uh, to my kids and so it, a lot of times it looks like I'm talking to or it sounds like I might be talking to one of y'all not as casual but like having an adult conversation almost um, so trying to trying to navigate that and uh, and keep it on a 12 and a half year old level is uh, something I've never had to do before wow. <laughs> so, so wow. now I now I have to do it I, yeah, I talk to adults as a for a living, and I have conversations on an adult level for for a living. Right, and it's like 
well, I can do that still. I can still have clear conversations. I don't have to use baby talk or kid words or whatever mm-hmm. that may be. I'm not out here, you know, slanging <laughs> cuss words at them or nothing, nothing like that. We, it's uh, like you we, have to remind yourself in the conversation that you yet you are talking I to a am child. Talking to a child still, right. and um, and I and it's hard for her to understand that too because she does understand a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's much more mature than she than her than she gives, and she's tall. And she looks like she's more mature. So people right. treat her like she's more mature. Side note on the vacation, uh, this uh, uh, on this this lady was asking if I wanted some coffee. And I was like, nah, I'm good. And then she, they looked at her and was like, you want some coffee? He's like, she's 12, move on. <laughs> so it's like, like she, goes, she goes through that where Pete, the world actually sees her as an adult right. um, because of just of how mature she looks, but she's not. And so I have to try to help her navigate, navigate what that looks like. And, she didn't um, tell them. Um, actually, I would prefer a cappuccino. Thank you very much. <laughs> double shot espresso, please. Yeah, <laughs> double shot espresso, please. Low, low key, low key. It was actually no. I would like. <laughs> girl, <laughs> not today. I'm not really in a coffee some, mood. If you don't get some juice, you don't right. have a. I mean, have you no chai latte? Get you some, <laughs> get you some chocolate milk and move on. He said chai latte. <laughs> it's chai, but I'm, you know, I, I know, know, man. This is for this is for humor purposes, man. Don't oh. blow the joke. Don't blow the joke, man. Come on now. I'm terrible Sorry. at this. Terrible right. at this. Terrible at this. Hey, so talk, Anthony. You you bring up a good point. You said you draw from the influence of your father and what you saw him doing. Um, and come on, uh, with that, um, Jonas, help me. Um, know how your influences from your father play into your fatherhood and parenting? Um, I didn't grow up with my biological father, but I did have a stepfather up until the fifth grade. And one of the, the biggest things I got from him is that he never, like, he was never too busy. He worked for Caterpillar and, um, you know, come home and always would help me with my homework, uh, read to me until I fall asleep. So I definitely take those things with my children. I just try to give them as much time as I can, especially with uh, not even as much time as I can. I give them as much time as it requires, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, especially with homework, especially with uh, reading in particular, because I just think that some of those things, you just can't get around it. It's so important to have somebody that you can go to in the house with anything involving education. Um, and I don't, I definitely am not the smartest person in the world, but if I can't, I tell them like, look, if you come to me, but if I can't figure it out or help you figure out, we'll get on the internet and figure it out together, or I'll call somebody and we'll, and f- I'll find somebody who can't, you know, but wherever it is, we're going to get you the help you need. If I got to mm-hmm. go outside of this house, then that's what I kind of just applied to everything. Like, look, Dad is going to do everything in his power to help you. And I think that's just, it's just really just about being there and putting in the effort and not just telling them, look, I ain't got time for that gone. You know, it's just your homework, figure it out. And I say that because I see that on social media. Sometimes people complaining about having to help their kids with their homework or help their kids with anything, you know, they turn their kids away or acting like they got an attitude. And I'm like, who is your kid supposed to go to then right. if they can't go to you? Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want my kids to feel like 
they can't come to me at least come to me first and then we'll figure it out from there um i think that is where a lot of people lose their kids and then later on not lose them as in physically lose their location but just kind of lose the relationship and then they grow up yeah they lose the connection because as their kids were growing up they shushed them away Mm -hmm. hey get away i'm on the phone hey no i I don't feel like answering that right now figure it out i gave you a computer get on your phone (laughs) now i I will side note i will definitely tell my son say hey did you try to look it up Mm -hmm. because i do want him to get into the habit of using the resources that we have given him Mm -hmm. but if he needs some specific type of help on something i'm here Right. But if it's something, I at least want to see him put in some effort. But that's as he's become a teenager. Yeah. You know, when he was young, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, whatever. Yeah, come on. I'll sit down with you. We'll figure it out. Yeah. I make sure they try it on their own first. And then, okay, you stuck? Come on. Let's, let's, get, let's get it together. Mm-hmm. Let's try to figure it out. And I think later on in life, they're not going to be able to, they're not going to say, you know, they have some type of big problem in their life. They're going to know that, well, he, I've always been able to come to him. So I'm going to come to him for this, too. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, that's, just, that's what's real cool about what you're saying, because there's a couple of things I actually was thinking about as Anthony was talking and you kind of hit up, hit on it, too. Um, and from the standpoint of being a father who helps and then being a father who holds um, and that holding piece is really key because. Um, holding on to our kids changes. I'm of the group, the only one that's launched a kid into adulthood out of my home. Mm-hmm. And so um, for a long time, help meant one thing while my oldest child was living in the home, but now help means something different as she lives um, on her own and out in, in, in the world. And so um, you guys both keyed right in on that. It's like the, the help is so immediate. You're right there for your children. And then when the child is launched, that whole piece of help meaning, um, well, what does that mean? I've never had an adult child. I've only seen, again, how my parents handled adult children. And uh, from my standpoint, as an adult child, I tried to do my best as I got more mature to not really require my parents' help as much because they should have the need or the feeling that they you know, prepared me for um, life outside of their home. And so I tried to do my best when I, again, when I got mature, let me be honest, when I was probably 21, 22 years old, and that's even into my first year of marriage, I was still very dependent upon my parents. Um, and it wasn't until my father passed away that I got uh, to a place where I had less dependency on my mom because I didn't want to put that extra burden on her. Um, but there, that help was different. Um, and then the holding was different, you know, when uh, the oldest launched out of the home. It's not, you know, and what I mean by holding is holding on to the relationship. How do you develop a relationship that continues to grow, continues to have the same values that it had while your child lives at home. And both of you describe the way you hold those relationships in your hearts. Um, and, you know, in, you know, in the natural sense, um, dear to you, you know, that time, that space, that opportunity that um, the children always create. We don't mm-hmm. always spend time creating the opportunities. Our children draw opportunities out of us. And what we have right. to do is show up. And so when an adult child, the showing up is so much different because I don't know when she's going to reach out 
to create that opportunity for me to show up. And so I have to do my best to make sure that I find ways to make myself available um, um, from that standpoint. You know, again, I see when I remember Trent Sherrill, um, again, my father passed away when I was 22, 23 years old. Um, so I don't have a whole lot of memories of him with us as adults, but I remember how he was with Trent and with Jason, my older two brothers. And I remember the relationship dynamic that he had with my oldest brother who uh, went first away to Purdue, then came back home and then went off to the Navy and just how the dynamic was shifted there, how he helped Trent navigate, you know, being a, uh, a professional in the military, how he helped Trent navigate navigate just life in general and how he was there for him, but he also held him accountable. But that, and that relationship was real. Um, and it was different for Jason. It was different for me. Um, and then my younger brother and sister really didn't have that experience with my father. So I watch how my is, and I think I'm more equipped for the role of, of being a father for an adult child. Um, but man, I, 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 again, Jasmine taught me all the lessons on how to deal with Janelle because, you know, that was my first person you know for anthony right. um just like sydney's your first person you know that's what it is um but yeah when we hold when we help our kids and we hold our kids those relationships flourish um and then you know the third thing i wrote down what i want to get into for us is that when we talk about this um perspective of seeing other fathers mm -hmm. one of the challenges that i'm recognizing is that when other fathers aren't showing up me as a father oftentimes feels the responsibility to show up for some of these kids in certain situations to bring the healing. So you have the hold, helping and the holding, but then the healing for these other kids that didn't really get the same um, connection. So, you know, how, how, what's our, what's your view, uh, whether it's from a social or a spiritual perspective, what's y'all's view on this whole idea of other fathers and how do you feel like you fit into sometimes the role of, you know, stepping in to be the surrogate for someone that may not have what they need um, and, or, or even have you even stepped into that role as of yet um, in your, your life? <laughs> Check this out. Okay. So during middle school, I used to get dropped because my mother had to go to school. I mean, I go to school. She had to go to work early and she would get off from work late. So she would drive me off over some friends of mine's house. She was really close with this family, the Johnson family in Aurora. And um, she worked with um, this lady named Karen. She worked with her husband, right? Now, me and their youngest son played on the same YMCA basketball teams. He had one older brother named Ed. And uh, they just had two children. But I would get dropped off over their house in the morning and go to school with them. We all went to Jefferson together. They were a grade younger than me. It was me and Kenny and um, his two little cousins. We would all walk to school together. I learned so much from their father. Father nickname is Chief. And one thing about their family, they just always had a house full of kids. Um, they only have two kids, but everybody's, like all the friends of their kids would be over there. They fed everybody. They, everybody would do homework together. I mean, it was just one of them type of families where nobody was a stranger. Uh, a couple of their older brother's friends actually lived there for a couple of years, you know, in different circumstances that were happening in their homes and whatnot. Um, 
I actually moved out of my school district from my middle school and they let me use their address so that we can continue to go to school together. Um, when I say there was probably like five or six different kids getting their grades sent there because we were oh. using their address just so we could stay, you know, in the same school district. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, one of them things, like even to this day, I send chief uh, pictures of my kids and still check in with him and whatnot. But he was just a father's father. He was a man's man. You know, like he will tell you exactly what it is, crack jokes with you. But at no point in time would you ever think that you were on his level because you just command. He just commanded that certain type of respect and not in a mean way. He was just a man, you know, mm-hmm. and crazy part about that is we live here in Virginia now and I'm like the dad of the block. And what I mean by that is I give you an example. I was sitting on my porch the other day. Uh, I probably changed about four. I probably fixed about four or five bike chains hmm. in a row, pumped up tires for the kids on the block. They all about Jace age. You know, Jace is seven. He'll be eight in November. And like, I just don't see many fathers around. And this is a pretty good neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But I just, I see the mamas and they all yeah. speak. And, you know, a couple of people next door, actually the, the the lady next door whose son hangs out with my son the most, his father was just murdered Oh wow! in Maryland. So he kind of gravitates towards me now. And we bought Jace a new bike intentionally to give you know, the smaller bike to him because he's only five and didn't have a bike and all the rest of the kids got bikes around here. So we bought Jason a new bike and get that bike to him because he was just kind of keeping up on a big wheel, but he's too big for it. You know how you'd put one foot on a big wheel and use it as a scooter? (laughs) Yeah. That's what he was doing. So we gave him that bike and, you know, a couple other kids around the corner, uh, they got bikes and they'll come over. Mr. Joe, can, can you air up my bike? You know, hey, can, my chain popped. Come on, leave it over here. I'll just be sitting on the porch looking like a mechanic. Hands get changing bike chains. Yeah. Because I look up, like, man, my bike chain popped again. I'm like, again, just bring it over. Come on. <laughs> like, I don't know what y'all are doing. I don't know if y'all doing this on purpose or not, but hey, just bring it on over, man. I'm flipping bikes over, fixing chains. All right. You know, stuff gets loose. I had to pull the tire back a little bit, you know, tighten mm-hmm. it up, all that stuff. I'm out there looking like a straight mechanic, <laughs> airing up tires Whoa. and fixing bike chains. But yeah, also breaking up fights. Yeah. Letting them know that they all stay in the same neighborhood. So they don't need to be out here fighting because when y'all, y'all go to school, y'all got to be on the same team. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. Because y'all don't know who y'all going to bump into. So y'all know each other. Y'all need to be holding each other down out here. Mm-hmm. And they're not bad kids, but they're just a bunch of roughhousing boys, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. So we and make them shake it out. Far. Yeah, you know, one of the other mamas came out that day and you no know, strained her son out, but the mama came. Yeah. Right. You see that, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, so like when I really looked around, I was like, man, it's like seven, eight kids out here. I don't see dads. Mm-hmm. Right. Not this, now I can't assume that all of their dads not around, but at the same time, I just don't see them. Mm-hmm. And you so. and you're in the perfect vantage point to see them, you know. Exactly. And so it, there's a likelihood 
that like you we were talking about from the jump from the start was that some of these are clock in clock out pops you know what i mean and again i don't want anyone to take from that statement that i think that there's something wrong with dads that do that i mean again the dynamics are um have shifted significantly probably over the past 10 years you know in my profession I see a lot of parents doing different things that they did from 25 years ago, 20 years ago. And 25 years ago, I was just coming out of high school. And so I saw parents and dads doing different things. I remember the era of time um, coming out of high school where it was a lot of, you know, single parenting going on, you know, and I mean, single parenting from a mom's perspective and a dad's perspective, mm -hmm. the kids with the dad this weekend, the kids with the mom this weekend. Um, and so those dads were clock in, clock out dads because they didn't have a foundational relationship with the moms of these children that they had. And so, you know, I'm not knocking dads. I am going to knock you, though, if you're choosing to be not that guy, like you're choosing not to show up in your kid's life. That's an issue. And I think we definitely need to address that as a community because it's really doing a disservice and uh, to our young people. You know, we have young men that do not have an identity, don't know who they are, don't know where they come from, don't even, in some instances, know the whole other side of their family. All they know is their mama's family, or, or in some instances, all they know is their daddy's family. That's an yeah. issue um, that only fatherhood can really resolve. Um, it's 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 evident in the Bible that um, your 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 name comes from your father, uh, your identity comes from your father. It's critical to say um, to your sons or to your daughters who they are based on where you come from. So you guys can both talk to the lineage of your kids' lives about the fact that you come from Aurora, Illinois, and what that means. And I can say the same thing to my daughters about being from Indianapolis, Indiana, or Terre Haute, Indiana, um, and as their lineage and their heritage and what that means. Um, and as a community, I think that Black men especially have to do a really good job of showing up to explain that to their kids um, and, and let them know that identity. Because what you just described, Joe, to me suggests that these young people that you're spending time with on a day-to-day -day basis know that they're missing something. And you're doing a great job of playing, you know, filling in that role for the space and time that you're spending with them. But yo, they, they don't have that 24 seven and they may not have that um, as often as they need it. And so it's great that you're out there, man. I love that because I, I, I love the whole block father idea, man. That's a concept that I wish our community would get back to because the block father was a big deal or the dads would sit out on the stoop. You know, they would do whatever, drinking their ripples or smoking their cigarettes, whatever, talking. But, you know, everybody knew that the daddies was there. Right. You know, where, where is that today? That's the question. Where is that today? It's well, still around. It's just it, not as, you know, like it's around. It's yeah. actually getting better to that, to be absolutely honest. But I just had to speak about what's going on here on this block. But when I, you know, go to my son's school, the dads is out. Or if I go over here to the, you know, to the park out here, it's usually the dads that got the kids at the park. You know, but this little, little cul-de-sac right here that I'm in, <laughs> you know, I'm well, the dad of the block. The dynamic Statist statistically speaking, though, you know, a lot of times, especially when you're talking about um, fathers being present and um, being involved, you know, a lot of times it is the black community is often looked down on in that area. 
because they look at a lot of single moms being black and you know they look at i think there was a stat that came out several years ago that said like 70 percent or something of young uh, young families are are like single parent homes um, and maybe single mom homes but the reality the stats show in our community in the black community that our fathers black fathers are present the most yep. they're most involved they're uh even when they're not dealing necessarily with a married a married home or even a um a live-in home they're still the most present the most involved the most influential um, and I think that's important to say because you know a lot of times black fathers um it, you know they all, always like to say well where's the dad when you're talking about gun violence in certain hmm. communities where's the black fathers and this and that like we're out there we are we are there um and not you know if you're really doing fatherhood right you're not even doing it for for credit or anything right. like that so we don't need to be not none of us most of us are even looking for the uh the pat on the back and the good right. job what you know or whatever for being doing what we're supposed to be doing uh, but it's still happening uh, more so than other communities and i, I just wanted to uh, throw that out there oh absolutely because um, you know Definitely. our our community needs to hear that um because those are stats that don't don't always get uh don't always get thrown around yeah like um, we got to update that like we've been people been trying to run with that narrative since the 80s right. like come on now like you yeah. can't even like redo the research and see <laughs> see what the updated numbers are. Like, come we on, the one, we were the ones with the po- with the most popular TV shows, exactly. Black Fathers in the Homes. Yeah, yep. <laughs> just talking about that earlier, weren't we? Yeah. If I if we mentioned one name and we said Gordon Gartrell, I guarantee you everybody knows who <laughs> everybody knows we're talking about. Everybody, exactly right. you know. So I mean that that is key. That is critical. You know. Again, we we want to definitely put a spiritual application to this, and so obviously as a pastor. I, I think about these things from that standpoint, and I uh, I pulled down some scriptures that I think are critical for you know black men to um, um, in- incorporate and fathers in general to incorporate. Um, Psalm one twenty seven four and five says, "Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them; they shall not be ashamed." It, it it's simply a saying that your your happiness doesn't come from your stuff. It comes from the fact that you're you're a father and that you have children that are leaving a leg that you can leave a legacy with. Um, how many fathers are spending their time trying to leave their legacy in a financial way? Uh, the Bible does mm-hmm. speak to giving an inheritance, but the truth of the matter remains is that inheritance isn't always monetary. Inheritance very much so is the values, is the personality, is the heritage of that mindset, that personality, where we come from. You know, um, Anthony and I get a chance to spend time in Africa, you know, once a year. And one of the greatest experiences about being from Africa is we enriched our heritage. We know a little bit more about ourselves or feel we know a little bit more about ourselves because of knowing and being in that space. Mm And we don't necessarily know specifically where we're from in Africa right now. Like maybe you do. I haven't gotten to that point yet. I do Um, not. (laughs) <laughs> but I know that heritage is is huge and where you come from is huge. So that's one of the scriptures. And then there's another scripture. And I think this is the one that I kind of want to stick it 
um, to us on, because this is the challenge scripture. Um, many of us come from families where, you know, and, 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 and this is just a cultural thing, right? We, we have to challenge our young people to, to work and do the best that they possibly can. And unfortunately, the culture the way that it is in terms of the North American culture doesn't allow for us to make mistakes. We don't have the space where we can be less than. We don't have the space where we can even be equal to. We have to by go we, above. By and we, beyond. you mean by we, you mean black men. I'm talking about black men now specifically. Um, but here's one of the things that I challenge us as black men to do with our children. And I hope that you picked up on this and everything that we all said, uh, not to say that we're not guilty of this thing, but Ephesians six and four says, fathers don't exasperate your children, but raise them with loving discipline and counsel that brings the revelation of our Lord. I'm gonna just break down what that means real quick. That simply means don't push your kids to the point where they don't like you. And mm -hmm. I don't, and here's the thing, I don't care that my kid likes me, but there's a there's there's implications in me being so forceful on them or so hard on them or so rough on them that they look at me and they despise my existence or they despise being around me. That's what makes them want to change their heritage. That's what makes them want to change their name. That That's what makes them want to change their family of origin. They don't choose to have an existence that's related to their father if their father is one that's exasperating them. It, keeps, it goes on to say with loving discipline. That loving discipline simply means that, look, you don't like what I'm about to say to you. You may not like how I'm doing this, but I'm doing this out of love and out of care. And, and that's what you need for me. You need me to make that loving, disciplined decision in your life. So to keep you from these paths that mm -hmm. are going to destroy you. Society does not want you to, to live as a black man. Let's just be real. Society does not want you to thrive. American in fact, society. society is designed to kill you. So I'm, I have to bring this loving discipline and counsel to you so that you can receive revelation from the Lord. And that's the key point. The revelation from the Lord is if I do what I'm supposed to do as a father, my child will look to God and they will begin to understand why God put them on the planet. They'll know where they came from because that heritage comes from me, but God will give them their big why and they'll be confident in their why because God showed them through me that love and discipline and counsel can get you a lot of places and go a long way. Um, I, I got another scripture too, but I don't want to necessarily go too deep into that. Um, but check out Matthew um, chapter 7, 11. That's a good one too. Um, it, it, it applies everything that we're talking about. It's critical for us as fathers to do the work. And if we're doing the work right, then we will do what we can to bring good gifts to our children. But we know that God is the supplier of all of those good gifts. And so if we're fathers that are doing a good job and we're bringing good gifts to our children, then the one gift that we don't want to leave out is bringing that opportunity for them to have some type of spiritual development that can bring them closer to the father as well. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna tap out on that one and let y'all chime in. There's something that you were saying that I wanted to touch on, um, making sure that your kids don't despise you, but still, um, making sure they have some sort of discipline because you don't want to be a pushover, but you don't necessarily want to be a dictator either. Um, and it's just really about balance. Like you just can't be coming down on that case all the time about every little thing, of course, but you also got to make sure that you, um, take a minute and just indulge mm. in whatever it is that they want to do. Like, you know, my uh, oldest is heavy. And when I say heavy, heavy 
into comic books, superheroes, uh, Fortnite, you know, PlayStation, um, to the point where, you know, he know he has, I'll put it like this, he has a TikTok page that he created called Just Read the Comics. But he just talks about different superheroes and different comic books he likes. And he has like over a thousand followers. Like wow. a, a matter of fact, I think he's probably over two thousand by now. Like he's becoming like an authoritative voice on mm-hmm. comics. That's how much he like you said with your daughter, mm-hmm. uh read all the Harry Potters. Mm-hmm. He could tell you all the issues of different comics for DC and Marvel and by number and I'm gonna need to get happened. at him. He gets busy and he's way more well-versed than I am, but he always wants to talk to me about it. So sometimes mm-hmm. I just got to sit there like, yep. <laughs> yep. I think it's just important that he has somebody who will listen to him other than social media. Mm-hmm. Cause right. you don't want them to always run into social media, you know, as, so I think really with this generation that's coming up, um, they, social media is the only thing that will listen to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why it's really so popular is the more I think about it. So you just sometimes you just got to sit and talk to your kids and just listen to them and not talk at them all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, waving your finger, telling them what they need to be doing, but just listen to them or just play with them. Like, it's so important to just spend that time so that when you are having to punish them for something, they don't only go to that bad memory, mm-hmm. you know, they'll also remember when you practiced soccer with them or you played video games with them or you played water balloons and, and Nerf guns, you know, they don't only have bad memories of when you was, you know, giving them a whooping or putting them on punishment, taking a phone or something like that. It's just like, well, that's what I got from, you know, the scripture that you were just um, saying the points that you were making that you got to balance it out. There's another version of that scripture. It says, don't not to provoke your children to anger. Um, Mm. And it's, it's essentially, I mean, that speaks for itself for the most part. Like you guys were just talking about, um, that's, that's actually one of the challenges I have as a father is my, my dad did a great job of, um, of raising all four of us, really. I mean, he's got four children who not, not only graduated from HBCUs, but all have second, at least a secondary degree. Um, and none of us spent any uh, lengthy time in in the prison system. So it's did you just say lengthy time in the prison system? None Wait, of us did that. None of us spent. Nope. None of us, spent but I just want to make a distinct. System. I want to make a different, a distinct <laughs> difference between prison and jail. Hey, jail time. Okay. <laughs> so none have been. So to clarify, none have, been have not in been in. Car- we'll just say incarcerated for at least gotcha. a period of time. Detained, we'll maybe. That. Let's just say detained. We're just, we just gonna move on because um, I feel like the way he raised us oh, uh, led to where we are. Is my point. And he is, he didn't run a loose ship. Jonas knows my daddy run a tight ship and, you know, he, he had expectations of his children, but then we could also wrestle with him and we could also uh, watch Saturday morning wrestling with him. And we could watch, you know, I distinctly remember my daddy was a big Star Trek fan. And uh, Uh. when the new Star Trek would come out, 
you know, that was me and his time. We could, he would let me stay up, sneak into his room and, and watch the uh, Star Trek with him. So he had that balance where right. he had these expectations and like, don't, don't you bring home like bad grades and don't, one of the reasons it wasn't a lengthy time because he told us, told me specifically, I, I'm not going to say what he told my brothers and sister, but he looked at me in my face and said, if you, if you ever go to jail, you're going to stay there because I'm not coming to get you. So there was no reason. You know what? I've been thinking like I've, I've heard that before with uh, yeah. somebody else talking about their father yeah. when I was in Jackson and what they told me. I was like, that sounds like that would really work. It does. And I never went to jail. So, <laughs> so it, it I think was that really, would take that. I'm a, like, what were you saying, Jeff, about what did you take from other fathers? Look, there you right. go. That There's is one taken. Okay. Because I'm, I'm not coming to get you. But it was. And so for me. I, I too try to uh, run a, a ship like my dad did. And the reason why I do that is because I saw success from it. I, I saw my parents and I, and I do realize I always like to, I always have to remind myself that I realize that I'm from a blessed situation. It's not everybody grew up in the situation that I grew up in. Um, uh, more people did than I, than I realized. I know that much, but um, I know that I've got a, a, uh, blessed situation where I've had I had both my parents for my entire life had good paternal influence, good grandfather influence. My dad did a great job of setting us up to see other uh, men, also other godly men. He set us up around them, and if he didn't feel like the situation was right, he took us out of that situation. If he felt like it was a good situation, he left us in it. Um, so I saw the success that came from the way my father raised children and I know where he got it from and um, it, well, a lot of good influences because he didn't his um, he didn't always have that positive influence um, and so it was he so what my grandmother did was also put good paternal influences around him and then he fell into a, a really dope situation when he got my mama to marry him um, you don't because, say listen to me <laughs> Because my grandfather on my mama's side took him in as though he was one of his own. And so I know a lot of it. I just know where the lineage, the the fatherhood come from. You did. Right. And um, so I want to apply that situation to my family because I know how great of a situation. And I know that, it, you know, no human is perfect. And, uh, you know, my daddy's made his mistakes because he's a human and we are all flawed. Um, but I just see that impact that he had on not just me. Um, like y'all know, Jonas, Jonas been down since we were from the ground. That's um, right. So having Jonas has seen it and Jeff has seen it too. Like the influence that my father has had on us and like Jeff's biological brothers will oftentimes when my dad is around in town, sit and listen, like he's their dad. Um, and they talk about the similarities that their father had with my father. And, um, you know, just I, I just see the impact that he not, that my daddy had, not just on uh, me and mine, but on the Jonas's and the Jeff's and our expanded uh, friendships and families that we have had. And I just want that. I want that for my household. Um, and so I try to balance that and I catch myself trying to do it too perfectly and end up sometimes, like Jonas was saying, sometimes pushing a little too hard and then realizing, 
because you can see it too. Your kids are great feedback mechanisms. Yeah, you can see it in their face when you do a little too much. You definitely you, can. You see it, and then if you can't see it, you definitely feel it after a little bit. It's like, man, okay, I went, I pushed too far. Um, I went too far with that one, or just like the way I t- maybe I talked to them too sternly, or maybe I went mm-hmm. overboard because it was not a big enough deal for me to make out of that little bitty thing, but I did it. All right, so let me see how I can rectify that. And I can, I saw how my father did that with us and I can apply that. And so I, I think just taking all of that, cause I know that, um, frankly, from a spiritual perspective, it was all kind of God aligned how my dad ended up with my mom to then have a good fatherly influence on that side and to see what it would look like to have a longstanding marriage and then to apply it to his family. And now I'm applying or trying to, I'll see how I work out. I'll see how, how much time any of my children, spend incarcerated and see at the end of the day (laughs) (laughs) no one is going to spend time incarcerated if they don't get bailed out by you they will get bailed out by somebody well Uh, we'll i mean that's but if you got to get but if you got to get bailed out that means you spent some time so see you know what you gotta uh make sure you reiterate like yeah don't call me oh don't call your don't call your mama either oh no they knew they will know (laughs) (laughs) they will know you know Mama gonna come get her baby. Yeah, I I, I love this. Um, and 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 where it kind of wound up and where we kind of settled on the end of this. I mean, you may Anthony, you may be misty eyed because I do sit around um, your dad uh, when I'm I have the opportunity to be around him, um, and he reminds me so much of Trent Cheryl Senior. One of the things that we've said that's common amongst my brothers and your brothers and sister and my sister um, is that the similarities are so uncanny. It's almost like we grew up in the same household. And I, I, I love that. It makes me misty-eyed because I I didn't get Trent Sherl past 23 years old, but then I met Anthony some seven or eight years later, and it was almost like I got to reintroduce myself to my dad as an adult. So that was cool. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to cut this conversation short, but we're trying to cut our time's short. Um, And so I think the best thing to do, I want us to just, you know, if we had an opportunity to take, say to a young father right now, what our best advice or our best directive would be, um, just everybody just sound off on what you think your best directive would be to a young father right now. It doesn't matter what cultural background they come from or even spiritual background. What would be your best advice to a young father as um as they enter fatherhood two things study your children what does that mean spend time with them learn them watch their watch their responses to certain situations watch their uh reactions um look at what they love to do look at what they don't love to do um you know pay attention to what they're doing you know what I mean? When you're studying for a test, you read something over and over and over again. And then when you see the question come up, you're like, I got that answer. Um, and so if you can kind of see where your kids are going in one direction or another, uh, it helps. That's what's helped me. And then the second thing is to pray often, <laughs> often and all Ooh. the time. <laughs> because one, one, thing, uh, one thing that I know every, a lot of times when I pray, the Lord says, um, well, that's how you are with me because <laughs> I've determined that the Lord gave me kids so that he can, so I can enhance my relationship with him. 
Um, so I can see, all right, this is what, this is how my behavior is with my heavenly father. This is how he handled me and with the grace and, and, uh, generous discipline, loving discipline that he applies to me. That's what I need to apply to them in that same situation. They make a mistake. Why did you do that again? Lord, come on, man. Why aren't they doing this? You say, well, you just made a same mistake that I've been telling you not to make. Mm. Now, and what did I do to you? <laughs> so, oh, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so, so that's my, those are my recommendations. Those would be what I would tell a, a new father. Um, you know, babies are babies. Ain't too much you're going to learn from a baby. Uh, all you got to do is make sure they stay alive from one day to the next. But as they start to mature, spoken like a true father, right? Yeah. Bruh. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but as they mature, study them and pray for pray for them and pray about them every chance that you get, and pray with them. That's it too, man. Thank you, thank you for adding that. I think that's very important too, because in that part, you're really kind of teach not even kind of you're teaching them how to pray, so they could take that with them. Absolutely. Um, um, from me, he already took time. That was a good one, but uh, <laughs> patience. Mm. Be patient. Yeah. Your kids ain't gonna get it, man. They're learning. They ain't gonna get it on the first time. They ain't gonna get it on the second time. They ain't gonna get it on the third, fourth, fifth, sixth time. Be patient. And as I know, we want to push our kids, but at the same time, man, you got to be patient because it's just a matter of they're they're so delicate and they didn't ask to be here. You don't know how what their feelings can take yet. You know, you just got to be, and this relays in with, with time too, but you got to be patient with them. And that goes with them learning different things. This goes with, uh, it can be something as simple with chores around the house. Like they're like, and they're not, they're not going to do everything exactly how you want them to do it. You know, so just, you got to be patient with the children with everything mm -hmm. like that just falls with everything. And then also with time. Yeah. Taking the time, but also uh, sacrificing your own time. <laughs> you know, we always, you know, as adults, we got our own agendas. We got our own plans. Yeah. We got career moves we want to make. We got, we might want to open our own business and we got all these things that we want to do. And we're focused on us and us, you know, these things that we just you know, we got all our own things, but you got to sacrifice for your kids, man. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, if your kid wants to do karate and you thinking about, man, I don't feel like taking a karate practice. Like that's the wrong mindset to have, you know, like you got to think like, okay, yeah, they want to do karate. Okay, now I got to sacrifice a little money. Make sure they got everything they need for that. I got to sacrifice the time for them to practice. But that might be something that they're going to cherish for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that you took the time, that you sacrificed time out of your busy schedule for your kids is going to mean the absolute world to them. You know, just so sacrifice your time to give them time. Cause you know, we all spend time with our kids in the house. Like, yeah, they in the house with us, but are you really spending time with them? Right. You know, did you, you know, did you really take the time to, you know, read that book to them or to just to talk to them? You got to sacrifice your own time to, you know, make sure that your kids are straight. I think that's a big one that I see with adults 
you know, like they just refuse to sacrifice that. Everybody's hustle, hustle, hustle. Mm-hmm. Everything is, you know, I got to, you know, I got to get my hustle on. You know, I got to have seven streams of income, man. I, yeah. Like, yo. <laughs> and I, I was a victim of that before I got kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to, I, I'm working at this radio station. Oh, I got time to work at this other radio station too. Oh, I could work at three, you know, four clubs a night, oh, a week. I mean, you know, I could do two gigs this Sunday. Man, once I got kids, man, look, I can't go do that gig, man. He got soccer practice at, you know, at six o'clock tonight, seven o'clock tonight. Oh, man, we got a game on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we got this, that, that, you know, he want to yeah. do this or they want to do that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, man. Jace, well, he got baseball practice tonight. Yeah. We got a game across town. Yeah. Got, look, no, I can't. I can't do that gig. Yeah. And them, them couple extra dollars would be nice, but it ain't going to make a break anything that we got going on in this house right now. Right. It's going to mean a whole lot more if I make it to this, if I get him to this baseball practice on time and help mm-hmm. out while I'm there. Right. There you go. There you go. Spot on. Well, my simple advice, I mean, it's two things. Um, coming from a marriage and family therapist, one of the things that I tell every dad that comes into my house, my office when they show up with their kids is to grow up with their kids. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is don't just help them facilitate their growth process, but as they take steps, you take. Mm-hmm. So if the kid is doing better and that's what you're after, don't become complacent with their improvement and you not improve as well. The only way to model adulthood for kids is to model adulthood for kids. If you want mm-hmm. your kids to see what it looks like to be an adult, then you have to model that, which means mm-hmm. if they're growing, you have to grow. So that's one of the um, big things that I'll tell people that come into my practice. Now, the other one is a little bit more simplistic. It makes a lot of sense. Everybody's heard it before. Um, Jonas and, and Anthony both spoke to it. It's about intimacy, spending individual time with our kids, making sure that our kids have us and have access to us. But it's really critical that you give each of your children what that individual child needs. That's what intimacy is. Intimacy is not about what everyone gets. Intimacy is about what the unique individual child gets. What does this child need versus what this child needs? And let me make sure that I meet each child's needs uniquely for them because their experience isn't their experience as a collective as your children their experience is how they see you individually your kids will leave your home all having a different experience with you so it's critical that when they leave the home that they feel like their unique needs were met that is key that is absolutely important it's not just about raising them and disciplining them different because they all have this different personalities but it's what you plug into your child that that child needs for them. Mm -hmm. Johnny and Jimmy are two different children. They're always going to be two different children. And Johnny needs something different than Jimmy needs. And you need to know how to make sure that Johnny and Jimmy both get that. So here's how I finalize that. I finalize that by saying every child in the house should have special time with you. Dad, make sure that you allot 
30 to 45 or up to an hour of time a week with each one of your children to make sure that they get that intimate need met. Sometimes dads, when you have daughters, it's important to take one daughter out on just a daddy daughter date so that they have you by themselves. Moms, I'd say the same thing for your sons. So that's important too. And we'll talk about motherhood in another episode, but we will definitely make an impact on our kids when we spend that intimate time with them and get their unique needs met. That's just the spiritual nature of how God works. God has collectively called us all to have this relationship with him. We call it Christianity and it's a big deal. But what's beautiful about God is that God wants something unique between me and him that he will not give to anyone else because no one else will have my unique needs. Our children Mm -hmm. are the same way. I love how Anthony said it. Our relationships with our children are a demonstration of a relationship with God. And if we make that happen, our kids, kids will be great and fatherhood won't be a challenge while it will have its challenges you'll look back on fatherhood and wish the ride had never ended so that's the refresh broadcast tonight and we love you it was great jonas kick us off and get us out of here yes thank you for tuning in to the refresh broadcast once again make sure you like make sure you subscribe make sure you rate us um rate us at the highest level that we can be rated if you don't we will come and find you Mm. because we are three fathers with resources Mm. so just keep that in mind and i'm joking but i may not be so uh (laughs) (laughs) we're on twitter we're on instagram we're on facebook follow all those those places our email address our email address is the refresh podcast at writeme.com the refresh podcast at writeme.com. You have ideas for subjects or topics, email us. We want to hear about you. You have questions or feedback you want to give us. We want to hear about it. But follow us, subscribe to us, email us. Respond. Respond to what? Emails. Oh, I respond. Yeah, he said Jeff will respond. Okay, that's what he said. I guarantee you I will respond. Comes to my phone. Hey, you said write me as in, uh, you said write me as in W-R-I-T-E me or r-i-t-e-m-e dot com there you go there you go the refresh broadcast that's what we do or the refresh podcast that's what we do we're loving it (laughs) the refresh broadcast podcast there it is there it is appreciate (laughs) you we'll check y'all out next time thanks for listening